Uh, sorry, Captain. We lost two more replicators this morning. Listen to me very carefully, because I'm only going to say this once. Coffee. Black. Yes, ma'am. Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Sue, and thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Jera. And I'm Grace. Today we have with us our special guest, Kayla, who you may know from season two of King of the Nerds. Hello! Yay! <laughs> so cool! And our main topic today is why we love Captain Catherine Janeway. But before we get there, we have a few things to talk about. First of all, Women at Warp is now on Patreon. So if you're out there and you would like to support us and throw us a couple bucks every month, that would be awesome. And it helps us to continue to improve our podcast quality, our equipment, and even helps us get out to conventions. So that would be awesome. And you can find us at patreon.com slash women at warp. We're the first thing you find if you look for women on Patreon. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Seriously. You look up the word women and we're the first thing that comes up. Yeah, it would be awesome if you would consider supporting us. We loved doing what we're doing and we are keeping volunteering our time, but this helps offset some of our costs and expand our audience and what we're able to do to get feminist analysis out into the Star Trek fandom. So again, that's patreon.com. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash women at work. Awesome. And we have a piece of mail it's a little bit long, as a response to our Feminist Ferengi Revolution episode. Ooh. So this is a message from Claire, a dear crew of the Women at Warp podcast. Listening to your recent podcast on feminism and Ferengi in Star Trek, I thought I'd share some of my own personal experiences with the episode Profit and Lace. I first saw the episode back when I was a very young teen and still deeply in the dark about my own personal identity. Growing up in virtual ignorance of concepts like transgenderism or non-binary identities, I tended to try and hoard anything which challenged the very heteronormative model of the world I had been raised in. I remember seeing this episode and being so enraptured by the concept of such an easy transition between men and women, and that it was a main character and not a CSI victim of the week, that virtually every other aspect of the episode fell away. Roll on eight years personal growth and soul searching, I decided to join the Post-Atomic Horror podcast in their rewatching of the episode. As a queer trans woman, I have been very fortunate to have avoided falling prey to many of the dangers that trans people face. However, seeing issues which personal friends and other members of the trans community have unfortunately been subjected to, reduced to jokes and comedy, left me close to an emotional breakdown. To me, Star Trek has always been an escape from the ugliness of the world, but to have that escape making the pain I, my friends, and others have suffered felt like the ultimate betrayal. I'll close out by saying I am absolutely adoring the podcast. I love the appearances all you guys had on All Things Trek, and so glad you now have a podcast of your own. Looking forward to listening to you guys for a long time to come. Yours sincerely, Claire. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Claire. Absolutely. And if you want to send us uh, your comments on any of our episodes or just general thoughts on women in Star Trek, feel free to email us at crew at womenatwork.com. We love getting fan mail. So, okay. I think if we're ready to start talking about Janeway... Oh. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? <laughs> Why don't we start by, I guess, our first impressions or first experiences with Voyager? And I will actually throw that over to Kayla, our guest. We sort of did introduce Kayla, but Kayla, do you have anything else you want to say about how awesome you are? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. <laughs> 
Well, uh, as you said, um, I guess my claim to fame, quote unquote, would be I was on the season two of King of the Nerds, and uh, I think it became kind of obvious that I was a big Janeway fan, if you watched the show. We sussed it out. <laughs> I think I quoted her almost every episode, but my actual background is I have a master's degree in space studies, I did my thesis on human exploration of Mars, and I've just spent pretty much my entire life studying space exploration and wanting to be on a starship out in space. So Yeah. Amazing. Me in a nutshell. So I started out with Star Trek extremely young. Like, my mom says I was probably around two and she would try to get me to watch Barney or Sesame Street. But I would always turn the channel over and watch Picard on Star Trek Next Generation. My whole life, all I remember is... It's Star Trek. I remember going and see Generations in the theater and all the, the Next Generation movies in theater. The whales were always my favorite as a little girl. Loved the Save the Whale story. Aww. <laughs> But I remember when Voyager came out, I knew going into it, there was the hype of the female captain. I was interested. It was a new Star Trek. I didn't really take to Deep Space Nine. That first episode in Caretaker, I'm sitting on the floor watching it on like a little 13-inch TV in the back room. And I just, the moment that we see Chakotay beam on board Voyager, and he sees Paris and he starts going after Paris, you know, running his mouth. And Janeway intercepts him and just gets up in his face and makes a comment about, I expect you to treat members of my crew the same way you want me to treat members of yours. I was sold. That's my captain. I like her. And in the next couple of episodes, she established herself very strongly as a knowledgeable scientist who actually knows her stuff. That was her science sealed and delivered at that point for me. I had a really similar experience when I first started watching. I think I was nine or ten when it first aired. And probably my mom had given me the heads up that, hey, there's going to be a new Star Trek and there's going to be a woman captain. Or it could have been my dad. My dad is the bigger Trekkie. And all summer I was waiting for that. And it totally delivered. I remember canceling plans with friends so I could be at home and watch Voyager. Yeah, Captain Janeway was just so amazing. I used to have her poster in my bedroom, and if I was ever feeling bad, I'd... Okay, this is Aww. really embarrassing, but I'd imagine, like, she was giving me advice. Oh, that's so sweet! That's the, so cute! Because um, <laughs> even though... Um, and I wanted to be her, but at that age, I probably felt more similar to Cass, being I was really precocious and kind of naive. And I love how Janeway really helped her through those experiences. Yes. <laughs> Grace? For me, it probably started when I was about 11 years old. I had just moved, so I was in a new place where I didn't know a lot of people. I had a mom who traveled for work a lot, so I was just left home alone a lot. So I would just kind of have the TV on in the background to keep me company. And it was cool, though. Because at one point it was just like, oh, hey, there's this show and it's just a bunch of people, but there's a woman bossing them all around. That's pretty cool. And that's just how it kind of started with me, <laughs> at least with Voyager. It was something to put on in the background and be like, see, here's a lady who's in charge. No one's telling her what to do. Well, they are, but she's not letting them. <laughs> was Voyager your first Trek? It wasn't, actually. Next Generation was my first Trek. But I was on kind of a Trek hiatus at that point, and that was what kind of brought me back in. Okay. Yeah, me too. I grew to love Deep Space Nine, but at that point, I don't think I was quite maybe old enough to appreciate the politics of it. And Voyager brought me back into Trek at a way that was really perfect. And Janeway showed that it's okay to not have everyone like you all the time, yeah. but you need to... 
show leadership and then people will support and respect you because of the leadership you show and the concern that you show for other people. Although come to think of it, but I remember specifically being babysat at a younger age and having a friend of my dad who was really into Star Trek be like, no, no, come check this out, honey. There's a lady and she's got ears like butterfly wings. And that was my introduction to Kess. And I was like, no, what's with the lady with the big hair? I want to know her deal. <laughs> I was so mad that I could never make that bun happen. I could never copy that bun. That's what those hair donuts are for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it makes me really sad, Grace, that you were being babysat during Voyager, because I was definitely babysitting <laughs> during Voyager. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm still a wee one, I guess. <laughs> But a, a Voyager hit for me at a really important time, I think, because I was just about to enter middle school. And that is a time when girls or women just start losing interest in the STEM fields. And there was Janeway and Bilana to kind of a lesser degree because Janeway was in charge. And they were just sciencing together like every week. And that was so important. Yes. And that's why I stayed in my AP science classes. And that's why I wound up studying freaking chaotic theory in college. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't even think I realized it until later when I look back on it, because I still, you know, identify Crusher as my favorite character. But it's Janeway who possibly had the most influence on some of the choices that I made in terms of my education. I could definitely kind of reflect that, because at age nine, when I'm watching it, I'm not thinking, oh, she's good at science. I'm going to be good at science. But when I'm in college looking at, I'm doing quantum mechanic class now. What a, you know, I'm, I'm doing what Janeway did. You, you definitely see where that was. As being more of an engineer, you'd think that I would be more into like Bolana or Scotty, but because there's more science presence, you know, I did stick more to the sciences as well. And that was a huge part for me is you watch Picard and except for archaeology, he doesn't know anything. He just sits there and has data or Geordi do whatever. And same with Cisco, same with He Kurt. leaves the science to the little people. Yeah, like they rely on their team to do it. And with Janeway, constantly, she's running circles around Paris. Paris is in there going, wait, what? She's the one who's on charge of it. And then you see her even showing Naomi, like, how to look into things and stuff. And I'm like, that, that's awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a scene in the original series, and I think this side of Paradise, where Kirk can't do anything with the ship because he's <laughs> the only person on the ship. And he basically just sits there doing his captain's log about how he's stuck and can't do anything. Janeway would never let that happen. Like, in Year of Hell, she is doing so much stuff by herself and really, like you said, taking things into her own hands, showing other people these ideas that she's having. It's so Captain's cool. log. I don't have any quantifiable life skills. <laughs> Well, not to keep pooping on Kirk a little bit here, but in the movies, he had to have Scotty rig the entire Enterprise to basically work skeleton off of one console just for him when he was going to go run off with a McCoy to save Spock. So yeah, he definitely needed things handed to him a little bit. <laughs> if Captain Kirk takes off his shirt and no one is there to see it, is he still studly? <laughs> the question for the ages, really. <laughs> I don't know where to take that. <laughs> Take it wherever you need. Oh. I was sitting on a DragonCon panel last year, and she came up as an example of role models for, for young girls. And somebody from the audience piped up right away, and he said, I, I don't like Janeway because she never showed the vulnerability that Kirk and Picard showed throughout their series. Oh, really? And I'm just, I, I immediately was like, wait a minute. This was 1995. And Kate Mulgrew mentions this in, in Born with Teeth as well. 
that the whole idea of being a woman who has a career and a family was still kind of new in 1995. Yeah. And she was doing that in her real life as well as playing the captain on this starship. And there were so many Star Trek fans that were already skeptical of this woman in this spaceship named after a minivan, which I heard a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why they thought she was supposed to be a momish figure because she was driving a giant space minivan. The minivan came out after the the show did, actually. Okay, thanks for clarifying. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that's something that you looked up. I love the mental image of mo- of soccer moms going out of their way to buy a, a Voyager now, just to like, oh, no reason. I just want to drive. <laughs> Kate Mulgrew voiced the commercial for the minivan, and it was, came out after Voyager. And- oh, I didn't even realize <laughs> that. that. That's amazing. Better. The name Voyager actually comes from the spacecraft Voyager. That was the first spacecraft to go outside of the solar system, which actually reached right. the mm-hmm. heliosphere about the same time Voyager came out on the TV. So. Love it. But if Janeway had broken down when they got stuck in the Delta Quadrant in the first few episodes, if that had happened, there goes half of the fan base that was already questioning her right. just before even mm-hmm. seeing anything. So I don't buy and there's she shows plenty of vulnerability throughout that series. Should we go into the other complaints then, since we're kind of already on this topic? Yeah, go for it. So most of these are just quotes from forums. There are some, though, that are actually commentators or people writing blog posts. So these are some of the most common lines that were also just, I thought, super sexist, like to dislike Captain Janeway. Um, so this was on a thing about who was the worst captain. So this commenter says, easily Janeway, who the F loses a starship on a shakedown cruise? Pfft, a woman, that's who. So, like, you seriously will see this on forums. It's pretty ridiculous. And like you said, I don't think it's a majority, but it's pretty appalling that Star Trek fans would not know better. Just respond back with who the F leaves on a shakedown cruise before Tuesday when everything's supposed to be installed. (laughs) Enterprise B, that's who. Um, There's also a lot of comments about her hair and her voice. Always with the hair. Yeah, and it's really similar to what we see with women in other positions of authority, particularly in politics, that there's a tendency to critique their appearance rather than what their actual actions or what they stand for. A lot of people called it politically correct, like in a bad way. (laughs) They're only doing the political correct thing. How dare are they really like you have stooped to a low by trying to make everyone feel included uh yeah um and then they're like oh and now we check the box now we can do enterprise but anyway uh another story so um, people critiqued her weight um really yeah just really of course she's a woman on the television of course they're critiquing her weight and you know talking about people saying she's not vulnerable i saw someone who said did anyone else notice that she is neurotic at times someday she's in a bad mood and she overreacts. Some people complained that she was cold and never showed any emotion. Some people complained she was overly emotional. Uh, One person said it seemed like she knew too much science. Wow. (laughs) It's almost as if a female character can only be one thing at a time. Yeah, there's a a blogger at Big Freaking Robot who wrote a thing saying she was basically too feminine, said she was at least as interested in prancing around in frilly dresses on the holodeck as she is in leading her crew. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Nope. Said she was everyone's mother, never really a captain that had to make the hard calls like Kirk and Picard had. Except for all the time. (laughs) 
And finally, another person saying she was too masculine. I understand there's a certain talent for acting like you're always in command of the situation. But whereas Picard and Kirk pulled that off perfectly, Janeway just seemed like she was being arrogant. Charming. So so when a guy does it, it's okay. When a woman does it, it's arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like uppity women, basically. I saw someone also calling her the mother slash bitch as a trope that she couldn't, she was always either the mother or the bitch. It's like a switch. You can only go to one of the two. There's a third, but yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. It's just, there's still, even with people who don't think they're being sexist, there's an undercurrent of sexism because you're applying standards that you wouldn't apply to the male captains. One of the most common critiques I hear is that she's inconsistent. Um, I think that is something that is occurs in every single other series. Um, if you look at like first season Picard or first season Cisco or Kirk yeah. ever. Like they're all of them have elements of inconsistency. Mm-hmm. It plays into stereotypes of women being, you know, flighty and irrational and, you know, hysterical. Every month her womb starts to wander and then she's ordering <laughs> Chakotay to do My crazy things. But people are inconsistent in day to day life. Yeah, it's part of what makes them like people. if I'm faced with the same situation situation now that I was five years ago, I might do something completely different. That is very true. People change and they're inconsistent. If I'm faced with the same situation tomorrow that I was today, I might do something different. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. There's being true to the character. Yeah, I can see the character doing that. And then there's not acting exactly the same way in the same situation. Those are two different things. Yeah. Like it would be inconsistent if, you know, suddenly she didn't know any science and had to look things up in a remedial science textbook. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we return to the positive? Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. (laughs) How about our favorite Janeway moments? We had a lot of comments on our Facebook page, which is awesome. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. But let's let's start with the people who are talking live. Same order? I have to pick one. (laughs) (laughs) How about we go around and we'll each pick one to start with and then keep going around until we're done or until we run out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I guess one that comes up a lot when I think about favorite Janeway episodes, per se, it's not a very strong episode in terms of Star Trek in general and it's a first season episode so you know it's even worse but I always really enjoyed the 37s the story is pretty stupid but just seeing Amelia Earhart standing next to Captain Janeway just always put a smile on my heart it makes the heart go a flutter yeah was it Sharon Lawrence Lawrence yeah, yeah who did it and they didn't even have the character herself dead on with who Amelia Earhart was but it was just fun to see the two together and sitting there admiring the Voyager and I'm like yeah yeah and that's a lovely moment at the end where Janeway says basically she's going to let people stay if they want to stay and everyone decides to stay with her on Voyager and it's just so like the feels... It's one of the first, like, Janeway Jacote moments and stuff. Yes. And when I was a kid and I saw that episode, I just, I was on a super Amelia Earhart kick. I went and read, like, everything in the library that I could about her. So it just also, like, really spun off that interest in other important women barrier breakers in history. Yes. So one of the ones that I think we have to talk about, and I know that, that Kayla, you also have thoughts on this one, is Counterpoint. I think that's widely cited as probably the best Janeway episode, and it's also Kate Mulgrew's favorite episode. Yes. She calls it a story about the woman underneath the scientist. And that's the one for anyone who doesn't remember where they're smuggling telepaths through this area of space. And there's this inspector, Kashik, who he's sort of playing this game with Janeway, and you're not sure 
sure who's telling the truth about what. And there's a bit of romantic sexual tension. Yeah. And uh, it's just so great. We had um, a few people on Facebook bring this up too, including Joe, who said that um, she thinks this episode really shows the fundamental conflict between the captain and the woman that Jane May struggles with throughout the whole series. She was attracted to Kashuk and wanted to trust him, even offered him a place on Voyager, which she said was genuine, even after his deception was revealed. But she had to put the safety of the crew and the telepaths they rescued above her own feelings. And I just love, though, how she, you don't really see it coming. I mean, you know they have to get out of the situation, but how she outmaneuvers him. And mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. really great. That is genuinely one of my favorite Janeway moments of the entire series, where we just get this moment where he's like, oh, well, I guess it's just business. Sorry, you fell for that. And she's like, oh, well, I'm sorry that you're a jerk who fell for it. Bazing! <laughs> we outdid ya, loser. It makes me so happy. And, you know, she does it at her own expense, too. That's the thing, that... It, Definitely. She yeah. is falling for this guy. And this is really one of the first times that she has a chance to, because as Kate McGrew, as the captain, Janeway, everyone agreed that she shouldn't really be in a relationship with Chakotay because it does undermine her authority and it would turn off a large portion of the demographic. So this is the first time you see her actually having a chance with someone that's not a hologram to really explore in a relationship. And ultimately she has to keep her shields up. She can't let herself fall for it. You know, it, probably was upsetting to have to, you know, say goodbye at the end the way that they did, but she never let her own feeling, her own emotion, and that blind her to her crew and to what could happen, and she had that that ace in the hole the entire time, and she was ready to pull it up to protect her crew and to protect the telepaths, and all of that is an amazing episode to see that. Grace, did you have another one? That was honestly my main one, but personal favorite here, Bride of Chaotica. (laughs) I love that. For obvious reasons, (laughs) but I just love the fact that we see Jane have to be put in a situation where she's like, are you kidding me? Really? Fine, I'll do it. But she's just game for what this situation is throwing at her, and she goes with it. She does it with aplomb, and it's just so fun to watch not just Kate Mulgrew perform, but her character be like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Um, ah, ha, ha, ha. Evil, right? Is this right? Yes. <laughs> I feel like it could have easily been made this really precious thing, but she, she does it with a level of dignity that just makes it hysterical funny and just fun to watch. Another episode that I've always enjoyed, when people are like, she was never vulnerable enough, I always bring up the one called Night, where it starts out with her in this extreme depression. She's not leaving her quarters. Jakote and her are pretty much fighting and that one always just the way Star Trek Voyager dealt a lot with mental health in several different times, you know, Suicide was came up what, three different episodes? And so Yeah, it came up a lot. Yeah, you had Quinn, you had Mortal Coil with Neelix yet extreme risk of Milana. So uh, to me, just, you know, I'm a teenager at that point. I'm, you know, 14, 15, and I'm, she can do it, I can do it. I can get through this stuff, too. Yeah. And, yeah, it really showed her vulnerability in that case. And, again, she puts everything aside to save her crew because you don't see her until that last moment when all of a sudden she comes in with a big old plasma rifle and is like, all right, I got this, boys. I got this. Yep, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Can I bring up another one? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, resistance, which I think is a very good oh, yes. one. She uses an example for anyone who said she was unemotional or cold. Yes. Because the majority of that episode just relies on her empathy as 
a character and her inability to just kind of leave this guy in the dust when she meets someone who thinks that she's his estranged daughter. Yeah. She's got to humor him to some degree, but has to get her job done. And it's such a beautiful performance between her and Joel Grey, I think. Yeah, Caleb. It haunted me. It really did. That was the character Caleb, and at the very end, when he he's finally passing away and dying, she just went with it like, I was, I'm your daughter, and just let him have that moment of happiness yeah. and stuff. It's such an empathetic episode also, and I, I really don't understand how someone can watch that one and think of her as a cold character. It, it's ridiculous. Unless they skipped that episode entirely. Mm-hmm. One that I really love is The Void. Mm. Then when they get pulled in to this place with no stars, nobody thinks they can get out, and basically the, the ship's all going at each other for supplies. And she just sticks to her principles, and she you can see how determined she is. And they, more than once, I think, have the opportunity to take things that aren't theirs, but that would help them. And even Tuvok says the logical thing to do would be to take what we need. And she's like, but that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. So she she sticks to it and she gets people to work with her because she's willing to help them. And I think there's compassion in that as well as, as holding to your principles and being determined to get through everything. Plus, that's a season seven episode. They're halfway through season seven. They have been through everything. Yeah. And they're still really far from home. And she's still sticking to her not guns. giving in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that that's also probably a good lead into another one that we should talk about, which is Equinox, because that's another episode that I see get cited a lot as an example of Janeway not being a good captain. But I sort of see it more like Janeway's version of In the Pale Moonlight, where, you know, she's yeah. confronted with this situation. It does get into this idea that, you know, when do you put your principles um, on the line? To what extent do you use stick to your guns to chase down this, this captain that's gone rogue? So she's confronted with a bad situation. I'm not saying I support all of the decisions that she made, but I think at the end, the message is very clear that she realizes that she went too far when she and Chakotay are, are, you know, hanging the plaque back up and she basically admits he could have mutinied. I think that is actually really powerful. And I think it's important that our heroes and our role models show there's the potential for them to stray because it sets an example that makes us realize we're all fallible. Also, it's what separates an unattainable character from just a character, someone who you can identify with, someone who feels human. Not to be speciesist or anything, of course. I always saw Equinox as Janeway's best of both worlds. Yeah. Because you see in the episode after when Picard goes back to France and he has his meltdown with his brother and the, the vineyard and stuff. I feel that those are comparable because you, you're seeing Janeway have a fight with Jacote and you're seeing that moment where Jacote is like, I don't know if I can even continue to support you. You're about to kill someone in cold blood and let those organisms come and attack them. The whole thing with the plaque falling off the wall, you know, the symbolism of all that. And you see her, you see her cross the line. She shows an ugly side. She shows a very ugly side of what she could do and how bad she can make a situation by not upholding two certain principles and by being too pig-headed. You know, it's one of those, she learned her lesson from it. And you see later on that she, she remembers some of those lessons and she deals with things maybe differently because it was a learning point. Yeah. But then you have um, Ramsey? Ramsey? Oh, no, what's the name of the other captain? Ransom. Ramson, that's it. Captain Ransom. Yeah, 
and how he chose completely opposite good and evil kind of conflict. It was, it was a very interesting episode that I think really dived into show she can not follow the right lines, but she won't stray too far and come back. Which is, I think we see that happen in Good Shepherd, where she realizes again that this is another season uh, 7 episode towards the very end when she's like, I need to bring some of these crew members that I've kind of let slip through the cracks come back. And now it was her turn to kind of be the Jakote in that and like, hey, let's bring you back. And she does that a lot with Seven of Nine and she spends a lot of time helping Seven become more human and sort of goes from being sort of a strict mother figure to more of a caring mother figure to more of a friend. And that's really cool to watch. It's a bit later on, but one of my favorite Janeway Seven episodes is the Omega Directive and how she brings Seven of Nine in on this and they work together and Janeway's really grave in this episode and she's very devoted to the Omega Directive by Starfleet but also realizes that she can't do it alone and and I really like how she throughout the series is so willing to listen to other people's advice unlike Archer (laughs) but in Parallax uh, which is the second episode of the series and is one of my favorite episodes that's when Bolana is really struggling with her self-confidence and Janeway tells her that she had this recommendation from this professor at the academy and she says that some professors like people who contradict them. That's not the exact quote, but but basically she says that she values people who question her decisions. So that's really cool. And that's, I think, a sign of, of confidence and leadership. That, that was one of those episodes where Janeway and Bolana just go into science mode and the boys are sitting around the conference table going, duh. <laughs> just love seeing them in science mode. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm actually, I just stack up this quote from Kate Mulgrew from 1995. So back during uh, those early seasons. And she talks about Janeway's leadership style. And she says that leadership style command has to embrace, but it has to be firm. She's warm, compassionate, very strong. She can be fierce if necessary. She can be abrupt if absolutely necessary. And there will be no nonsense about who is in charge when she is in command. However, she's open to suggestions. The writers are already very attuned to that. Many times you'll see Janeway change a thought or an opinion in mid-sentence because she understands that Bolana has an angle on a situation that she missed, or Chakotay says something that makes great sense and she changes her thinking. There's a wonderful flexibility in this Tower of Strength. Said. It's always great to see that... Um... Well, from what I've gathered, Kate Mulgrew went into this whole thing with a very firm idea of who this character was and what she wanted to put into and get out of this character. Which is funny, um, as opposed to sometimes you hear about other, you know, actors going into a sci-fi thing and just being like, I don't know, they're just, they're a dude in space. I really like that level of, I want to say commitment to the character, commitment to the role, and commitment as an actor. I think that's what has, over the years, propelled my, my love of Janeway into also a stronger deeper respect for Kate McGrew, the actor, because every time I've seen her, every time I've talked to her, she is always genuinely interested in the fact that she did this role. She understood the impact that it would would have on people and the, the fact that she inspires young women to get into science and stuff. And she's always very excited to meet people who have gone into all these studies because you know, she knows the impact that that has, even though she went into acting, she still respects that. Where when you talk to some yeah. of the other other characters, I mean, even in the, I believe it was the captains with William Shatner, who was like, uh, people used to say that to me and I could care less. And, you know, he's in his 70s before he finally understood the impact that that actually was having on yeah. people. 
and for Kate McGrew to understand that from just from all aspects, but including the fact that it was a female thing, that's really made me love Kate McGrew, the actor, and made me respect her more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you have a super awesome video of uh, chatting with her at a convention, and we're going to post that in the show notes. So people should definitely go take a look at that. Yes. I've had a few run-ins with her over the years, and they're, they're always amazing. And she talks about in Born With Teeth, she talks about the audition process for Janeway. She says she is essentially blew the first audition because there was some personal stuff going on but then when she was in love yes she was in love it was it's very intense <laughs> but, um, but after the original actor left the position she decided she wanted to go back after it and she's talking about reading this script this really heavy like techno babble script and about deciding that if i'm gonna do this i have to go all in and making that commitment. And she was really prepared and went after it. Kate Mulgrew is fantastic. I think that just doing that role changed her too. And not only like the, the role of women in science fiction, because I have seen her a few times on stage actually since then. And she's just, she fascinates me in whatever she does. But she played Catherine Hepburn in a one woman show. And I could see aspects of Catherine Janeway in there. She's got the voice, definitely. I could, people complain about her voice. I could listen to her all day long. So they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, have you guys seen those videos of Geneviève Bourgeois, who was the, yeah, thank you, who was the first Janeway? You know, she quit about a day and a half in, or something like that. And there's video clips out wow. there. There's one where she's with Tuvok, and they're in the writing room, and I'm just listening to it, and oh my gosh, there's no energy. Had she stayed on for the show, that show would not <laughs> like that. Good grief. We can post that clip in the show notes as well. Um, I've definitely seen the clip, and you, it's. It's really hard to imagine it working after you've seen the vitality that Kate Mulgrew brings to the role and the uh, the sense of command. And I mean, it's it's pretty clear that original actress uh, Genevieve Bujol just wasn't into it. Um, she's not actually a bad actress. It just was a, not a good role for her. There would have been no question that there would be no Janeway Ducote had she stayed on board. <laughs> there would have been nothing for the shippers. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely Jamie Chakotay shipper when I was younger. I kind of grew out of that, although I appreciate episodes like Resolutions, and I appreciate his sort of unwavering support for her. I think that was also important for me to see that you could be a woman supported by a man to be in charge. It didn't take away from him in any way. It was just he was there supporting her. I never got fully into the Janeway Jacote shipping. I could see where it would be awesome, like, as just a fan. But it was actually Kate McGrew herself who was kind of explaining it one time about why she didn't want it and why she insisted that it not happen. And it totally changed my opinion of it. And I was like, you know, Kate McGrew's right. This would have changed how we respect her. It would have changed the, the input of everyone yeah. watching. All the people, there would just be more reason why people would disregard Janeway, you know, well, she's sleeping with her CO and stuff. So I totally can see where why you'd want the Janeway Jacote, but I can so, totally see why it didn't happen. And one thing that has bugged me since meeting Robert Beltran was seeing how much disregard he has for the role of Jacote and how much he hated it. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> just I don't understand as a, a young girl, like 15 years old, watching him be so respectful and honoring this woman leader so much that I admired the Jacote 
character because it's like, see, men can give you respect. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I wish he would look at the fact that he did this role, not as he didn't have enough strengths, he wasn't written right or whatever, as you taught a whole generation of young women that they can be treated right. Have some- yeah, and you taught a whole generation of young men that they can respect women without compromising a sense of masculinity. Yeah, yeah and not just... Because he still walked away with Seven of Nine, come on! Uh, I know, let's not I get know. too much into that. <laughs> I know. But yeah, but it wasn't just Chakotay either. I think Paris is another good example where, I mean, he starts off as someone who is, like, making racist jokes and sexist comments. Hitting on and everyone. Hitting on everything that moves, and he undergoes a personal transformation, but all along he has respect for Janeway, and not once does he or anyone else on the ship draw attention to her gender related to her role as a captain. Um, it's only ever mentioned by, like, aliens that they're interacting with. And that cute little scene with Harry Kim in Caretaker. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Man will do in a pinch. <laughs> uh, do we want to read out a couple other of the uh, comments from Facebook people? Yeah, I just got distracted thinking about Tom's racist comments in Caretaker, because I watched that this morning. Yeah. (laughs) It's upsetting. Um, But actually, one of our Facebook people mentioned, so this is Brittany, who is one of our listeners, and she mentioned that Caretaker was one of her favorite Janeway episodes. She says, I think you see generally how she's going to approach ethical and moral dilemmas with this episode, and it sets up the guilt that she expresses throughout the run of the show, and it shows her resolve. So, I agree with that. We sort of talked about it made a pretty good impression on most of us when we first saw it. Yeah, good introduction to the character. We should probably talk about Tuvix, because I think that is the most controversial moment of all of Star Trek, probably, is the Tuvix moment, and what do you do with Tuvix? And I know that gets brought up a lot by people who hate Janeway. I know people who are watching Star Trek Voyager, love Janeway, love Janeway, that episode came, and he was just livid and outraged and called Janeway the bitch word and all this stuff and never would watch the rest of Star Trek Voyager because of that. Very emotional episode, and everyone seems to have their own opinion on it. Allison posted on the Facebook conversation, watching her have to decide between Tuvix and Tuvok and Neelix was heart-wrenching for me, but it really established her as a leader and demonstrated just how much pressure she has on her as the captain. It's definitely a you gotta do what you gotta do. It was. I don't see this as, you know, something that dooms the character, but I really don't agree with the decision, but I still really really like that episode. Tuvix gets to say a lot of things that make his case very strongly. And I think it's important that, you know, for a show about an ethical dilemma that you really do get to hear both sides. When it's kind of, you know, Tuvix's case versus Cass. So I don't agree with the decision. Um, I don't really think it was justified, especially once the doctor said he couldn't actually do it because it was doing harm. But I I don't think that it is a reason to write off the character. Yeah. I understand why she did it. And I think some people argue that, well, she just did it because she wanted Tuvok back because Tuvok's her best friend. And I don't think that actually bears out in the episode. I don't think that she did it for, you know, personal selfish reasons. No, I agree with the decision, personally. The fact that she did it herself and that she didn't just order someone else to do it, that she took the responsibility and weighed that on herself and had to do it herself. And you could see just how emotional it was to have to do that. But I agree with the decision. I thought she had really no choice. And had they figured out how to do it without getting to know Tuvix, it wouldn't have even been an issue. There's so many more people that are involved and affected by that. In general, you had Kess, you had these two individual crew members who, you know, they, they've, in a sense, lost their lives. I don't know. I, I agree with it. I, I would rather have 
Neelix and Tuvok back. Everyone is just so stunned by having to think about that episode again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's a good sign when we don't yeah. all agree on something. <laughs> yeah. I think Janeway would be proud. Yeah, and I mean, obviously you know that Tuvox and Neelix have to come back. You can't just, like, kill off your two main characters. Oh, I just think it's interesting that this is such an early episode. You know, this is a season two episode, yeah. and it's a big question that comes up, and it is polarizing in a lot of cases, and it's kind of a production risk to put put that so early in the run because I mean they were committed I'm pretty sure to seven seasons right from the beginning and this is season two well I don't think they expected it to be as polarizing as it was and I've always wondered if more people had liked Neelix better like a lot of people call Neelix the Jar Jar of Star Trek if more people <laughs> had liked him would the decision and would that episode be as controversial that's a good point if it was Deep Space Nine and it was Worf and O'Brien would it, and now you're having to separate those two would would it have been such a, a bad, controversial moment? <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that would have looked like. Yeah, I really want to see the Worf O'Brien transporter accident. <laughs> but those are characters that were more loved. Like, uh, you know, Neelix gets a lot of hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely know that part of me was like, uh, Cass, you'd be so much better off with two Vicks. <laughs> Yeah. He's so much more respectful. But I've always felt that part of that was just because people don't like the Neelix character. And had it been Paris and Kim, how would you have reacted differently? Well, the character design wouldn't have been as cool. <laughs> yeah, it would have been like, it's Paris who can play the clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't like to know anything about Kim at that point. Do you know anything about Kim seven years later? Not really. <laughs> no, okay, it would be Paris... Paris, who can play the clarinet, is slightly worse at hitting on people. <laughs> How many times throughout the show do we see Janeway making one woman stance for her crew and take, you know, doing things in which she's stepping up to the plate herself? and doing what needs to be done to save the crew. And then how many times do you see that with the other characters? With Cisco? I know we see it a lot with Kirk, but with Cisco and with uh, Picard, do we see that as much? I kind of want to do a tally of it now. Yeah, because you have sacred grounds where Kess is, she steps into the wrong area of the, the religious caverns of a people, and Janeway has to go through that whole ritual, and her disbelief of spiritual faith versus science faith, and all of that, and go through through that whole episode, and you have Tuvix, where she she takes the plunge. You have Year of Hell, where she you know times up and she slams her shit into the the Kremen. And so like, yeah, it, it makes me wonder how many times because do we see Card actually ever? Isn't it in Night at the end where she basically where she volunteers to stay behind and close the vortex so that Voyager can escape? And the whole crew stands up and says, no, we're not going to lose you. But uh, she takes those stands so often, and same in resolutions where she and Chakotay order them not to contact uh, the Vidians. There's so many episodes, I don't even think we can even name them all right now. And I think it happens occasionally in the other series. I definitely know, you know, there's times when Picard offers himself as a hostage in exchange for data and first contact and things like that. But Janeway, it's like, it's second nature. It's a given that she will sacrifice herself for her crew if she has to. I've said this before, but I think Picard's character in the series versus the movies is completely different. And he does do that in the movies, yeah. but he doesn't really do it in the series. He finds himself in situations, but he doesn't put himself up. His crew does. But he's not, for the most part, the one doing it himself. What we're seeing here is kind of the big difference between someone who's a boss and someone who's a leader. Janeway is the one who's, you know, 
in the trenches helping her crew out rather than just giving them orders. You know, same with the sciences. She's in there. She's yeah. in there getting dirty in the warp core. Like, how many times do you see her with grease on her face and such? Do you ever see that with Picard? It's kind of her signature look, yeah. I think Picard was down in engineering, like, once where he was actually talking to them about how to fix something, and that was in a flashback to the first episode in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole, like, burning the midnight oil scene that doesn't make any sense like that's yeah. the only time i remember picard actually talking engineering to his engineering staff yeah i mean you see him going to engineering to get the coffee spilt on him right yeah yeah oh was it hot chocolate i don't know <laughs> or the, the smiley face in the explosion of the warp core um <laughs> do you guys have a favorite janeway quote there's coffee in that nebula <laughs> I identify with it just so mm-hmm. much. I really do. I definitely didn't when I was nine, but I've certainly taken after the caffeine aspect of Janeway more recently. I would have to say it was in the Thaw, which is just a creepy, creepy episode, mm. where she says that fear exists for one purpose, to be conquered. And that's another thing. How many other Starfleet captains ever actually beat fear itself? Come on. She outthought fear <laughs> and beat it down. Well, now I'm wishing we'd talked about that episode, too. <laughs> so yeah, that's probably one of my top quotes. That's a great one. I really like in Random Thoughts when she says, I dread the day when everyone on the ship agrees with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that, even though I didn't become a scientist, that really started me on the path of becoming a skeptic and being more willing to think through conventional wisdom. And I guess a feminist, because part of that was thinking through conventional wisdom around gender and gender roles. Ray stole my quote. <laughs> Sorry. I can't help it if I picked the best one. We both, we're both on the same page there. I'm trying to remember who said get the cheese to sick bay. I don't think it was Janeway. <laughs> she also, of all, I mean, I like the at ease before you sprain yes, something yeah. to Kim. Yeah. Mr. Kim, we're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Oh. We could just do an entire episode devoted to our favorite one-liners, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if we want to talk briefly about Endgame. Oh. It's also another controversial one. Yeah. So that's the series finale. Does no one want to talk about it? <laughs> no, I always try and avoid it and watch through because like, no, then I have to acknowledge that it's done. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm just not comfortable doing. It was done so poorly. It was. I remember the buildup. There was like a party in my living room for Endgame because there was so much hype around it. And then it just kind of fizzled and it was really disappointing. Oh, no. So, I mean, this is the one where you have Janeway from the future who comes back and she convinces Janeway to change things so that Seven of Nine doesn't die because then Chakotay is going to be broken hearted and Tuvok's going to die of Vulcan dementia and all this bad stuff. And there's a lot that doesn't totally make sense about it, but people are like blame Janeway for the decision. But like, are you blaming future? Janeway or are you blaming present Janeway or are you blaming the Janeway that's created in the new reality because she changes things and I don't really get it. Yeah, that was just piss poor writing. I blame all good things because I think they were trying to recreate it. Uh, And they wanted to bring back the Borg and that like they brought back Alice Kriega as the Borg Queen and she hadn't been the Borg Queen previously in Voyager and I mean that was a good call I guess if and she's obviously great as the Borg Queen but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really do justice to all the awesomeness that came before. Yeah. And then she gets to be an admiral in the later movies. 
And some people really hate that, too, but I... What's to hate? What's to hate about her being an admiral? I know! Like, some people go, like, can't believe she's an an admiral and, like, Picard's still a captain, but... Because Picard still wants to be a captain! Exactly! Like, I wouldn't want to still be a captain after I spent all that time in the Delta Quadrant dealing with all that shit, like... No. By all means, be an admiral. Be an awesome admiral. Is there... Did anybody ever count, like, after Caretaker, after the original, like, death of so many people on her crew... How many people did they lose, like, from that point on until they got home? I never have. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. It's really low, whatever it is. And that's ridiculous. She got that far without losing tons of crew members, which you know Kirk would have. She's the Ernest Shackleton of deep space. Of course she's an admiral. Well, I didn't like it. Not just because, you know, oh, she got there before Picard or anything like that, but just almost with the Kirk thing where it was like Kirk telling Picard, just don't do it. Don't do it because they'll take you out of a starship. So for me, I always just hate it because, oh, that means I can't see her in a starship in a movie or something like that. Like, for me, it was just more of a personal that's sad. I liked, I want to see more journeys of Janeway on the Yeah, the further adventures of Captain Janeway. Yeah. But uh, I did get a count on how many crew members. Oh. So Voyager's original complement was 141 with five confirmed dead after being pulled through the array. Then, a couple episodes later, they gave the tally as 152. So that was with the addition of the Maquis. And others. Okay, so conclusion. Voyager returns home with 147 crew members, including Echeb, Seven of Nine, Naomi Wildman, and Morale Paris, 30 Maquis, and 113 Starfleet crew members. Not bad. I will post all of that data in the show notes as well. She has a better track record than Laura Roslin, BSG. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any quick last thoughts? Janeway for president. <laughs> WWJD. <laughs> what would Janeway do? Yeah. And that'll do it for us today. Kayla, where can everybody find you elsewhere on the interwebs? Best place to find me would be on Twitter, and it's on two, like the number two, Mars underscore Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A. Awesome. Jara? You can find me at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. And you can find me on Twitter at bonepressurejang. And I'm Sue, and you can find more from me over at anomalypodcast.com. Thanks so much, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullies, and I don't like threats, and I don't like you, color. You can try and stop us from getting to the truth, but I promise you, if you do, I will respond with all the unique technologies at my command. Janeway out. <laughs> <laughs>